You're about to listen to Grace Pills by Reverend Josh Lai, lead pastor at Caris Center International. Reverend Josh Lai is a preacher of the gospel of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be blessed as you listen. Acceptable to hearts and ears. Grace goes forth with it. May we be edified and Jesus be glorified. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now we've been doing a case study of various churches in the Bible. I'm still on thanksgiving. As a matter of fact, it's a sub with regards to the Jesus culture. Thanksgiving, we're living a life of thanksgiving and we're giving our all to Jesus because he has done already so much. Praise God. Is that right? Last week we looked at the Jewish church in the wilderness. And then we looked also at the first church in the Acts of the Apostles. We looked at the case of Ananias and Sapphira. We looked at those, the Barnabas and those who really gave their all to the Lord. Today we're going to look at the Corinthian church. And the Corinthian church was one of the churches that was very gifted. Very, very gifted. They had actually, they were operating most of the gifts of the spirit. But I think that when we read about the Macedonian church, we realized that Apostle Paul was telling them that they should learn from the Macedonian church. Is that right? And he told them they can preach well. They have faith. They have all of that. But then he said that the grace of giving is something that they should also covet. Is that correct? Okay. So you see, they had that problem. And they had that problem so much so that it got to Apostle Paul and he began to really, really speak to that in the whole of Chapter 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Apostle Paul had to speak to that. You know, because they were enjoying all the gifts that comes with what Christ Jesus poured out for us on the cross of Calvary. And how we have become sons and daughters in Christ Jesus. And so every good thing, every inheritance for the believer they were really enjoying, but they were not giving themselves and giving toward what God was doing. Are you here with me? So he had to really, really speak to this. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he did justice to it. And we're going to really, really look at it. And then if we have more time, we're going to look at another church, the Ephesian church. Okay, so let's look at... The Corinthian church with regards to giving our oil a life of thanksgiving. Okay, go. I am what? An apostle. God's messenger. Responsible to no mere man. 
Oh, are you reading with me? So let's do it like we normally do it. Go. I am, I am what? An apostle, God's messenger. Responsible to no mere man. I am one who has actually seen Jesus, our Lord, with my own eyes. And your changed lives are the result of my hard work for him. Hello? Okay, so Apostle Paul trying as much as possible to open up to them how God has called him, how he met this God who called him, and the work that he has done regarding their lives. Is that correct? Okay, thank you. Next, go. If in the opinion of others, I am not an apostle, I certainly am to you. For you have been won to Christ through me. This is my answer to those who question my rights. So you can see here that apostle was talking about they, the Corinthian church, being his testimony. Is that correct? That if he has no testimony before others, and they would question his apostleship, then it should not be the Corinthian church. Is that right? Okay. And so he says, my right as an apostle, and everything that an apostle deserves, you cannot deny me. Because it is through my hard work that the Lord has brought you forth. Are you getting the point? Okay, let's go. Or, don't I have any rights at all? Can't I claim the same privilege the other apostles have of, of being a guest in your homes? If I had a wife, and if she were a believer... Couldn't I bring her along these trips just as the other disciples do and as the Lord's brothers do? So you see, he's giving us a testimony of what really happens. Okay? Within the pastoral uh, fraternity. How the apostles travel. Are you getting a point with their wives when they visit them? Are you getting it? So he's giving us an inside story of what goes on. Okay. And for what he's saying, it means that he had that privilege and right, but he doesn't even use it. Is that correct? Okay, let's go. And as who? Peter does. So... He's not saying it is wrong. But he's saying these are privileges accrued to those in the pastorate. But I denied myself of them. Are you getting the point? Just because of you. It deserves commendation. And it actually should be a motivation for you to do better. Are you getting it? Okay. Go. And must Barnabas and I alone keep working for our living while you supply these to others. This is a rip-off. This is a rip-off. So they who were working for them directly 
toiling and laboring in the vineyard for them, the people didn't supply their needs. And they were supplying it to other apostles. Okay, go. What soldier in the army has to pay his own expenses? So, what it means is that when the government has employed you to take care of the nation and provide security, the government pays you. Is that correct? So, what it means is that the people should take care of, of them because they are being employed by God and through God's care by them, they have to be taken care of. Let's continue. And have you ever heard of a farmer who harvests his crop and doesn't have the right to eat some of it? Continue. What shepherd takes care of a flock of sheep and goats and isn't allowed to drink some of the milk? So he brings out three professions. The soldier, the farmer, the shepherd. Let's go. And am I not merely quoting the opinions of men as to what is right? Hey, this one, this is the first time. You're not reading. Let's go. I'm not merely huh, quoting. Okay. I'm telling you what God's law says. For in the law God gave to Moses, he said that you must not put a muscle on an ox to keep it from eating when it is treating, treading out the wheat. I've taught you this already. Okay. Do you suppose God was thinking only about oxen when he said this? <laughs> Wasn't he also thinking about us? Of course he was. He said this to show us that Christian workers should be paid by those we have. Next, go. Those who do the plowing and threshing should expect some share of the harvest. We have planted good spiritual seed in your souls. Is it too much to ask in return for mere food and clothing? <laughs> go. You give them to others who preach to you, and you should. But shouldn't we have an even greater right to them? Yet, we have never used this right, but supply our own needs without your help. We have never demanded payment for any kind for fear that, look at, look at their fear, and for me, this is so crucial. Look at, look at their fear. That's him and Barnabas. Look at their fear. Look at their fear. Go. If we did, 
you might be less interested in a message to you from Christ. You see, the reason why anytime I want to talk about money, I poop. And you don't understand. And you think that it's because, no, I don't like, I don't know how to collect money. So I say, Pastor, yeah, you don't know how to collect money. No, because I, I fear that it might take your interest from the gospel. But the point is, that happens to babies. Not matured believers. But as an apostle who is so concerned about the souls of men, you are always very careful that material things will not come in the way of the word. It is so key. It's so key. Let's continue. Don't you realize that God told those working in his temple to take for their own needs some of the food brought there as gifts to him? Next. And those who work at the altar of God get a share of the food that is brought by those offering it to the Lord in the same way, the Lord has given orders that those who preach the gospel should be supported by those who accept it. Continue. Go. Yet, I have never asked you for one penny. And I'm not writing this to hint that I would like to start now. In fact, I would rather die of hunger than lose the satisfaction I get from preaching to you without charge. Somebody say fulfillment. Do you know that when you are so fulfilled by the ministry that God has given you in whatever area, you can forgo money. In whatever area. Money is not your goal. Is that, is that correct? It's not. It's not. You're so consumed by it. And the point is that pleasing the Lord in the area of your ministry is that which gives you joy. When you see the fruit of it, it brings you joy. Okay, let's continue. Go. For just preaching the gospel isn't any special credit to me. I couldn't keep from preaching it if I wanted to. I would be utterly miserable. Oh my word. 
Woe unto me if I don't. If I were volunteering my services of my own free will, then the Lord will give me special reward. What is this understanding is so is so deep. Can you realize he's saying that I am privileged to be the one preaching? Are you getting the point? It is not the other way around. It's not the other way around. But that is not a situation. For God has picked me what? Out. And what? Giving me what? This sacred trust. And I have no choice. Under this circumstance, what is my pay? Go. It is the special joy I get from preaching the good news without expense to anyone, never demanding my rights. Oh, God. Anybody around you who is slumbering, Wake them up. Let's go to the next. Continue. Go. And this has a real advantage. Go. I am not bound to obey anyone just because he pays my salary. Yet I have freely and happily become a servant of any and also that I can win them to Christ. Praise God. <laughs> Look at the next. Go. When I'm with the Jews, I seem as one of them so that they will listen to the gospel and I can win them to Christ. When I'm with Gentiles who follow Jewish customs and ceremonies, I don't argue, even though I don't agree because I want to help them. I become all things to all people so that I can win them for Christ. So you see, the focus is so clear. The focus is so strong. He doesn't want anything to dissuade or distract him from the focus of the gospel. His pain is their response. Are you here with me? Go. When with the heathen, I agree with them as much as I can. Except, of course, that I must always do what is right as a Christian. And so, by agreeing, I can win their confidence and help them too. The line is drawn, right? Okay, good. 
Go. When I am with those whose consciences bother them easily, I don't act as though I know it all. And I don't say they are foolish. The result is that they are willing to let me help them. Somebody say, this is a life of thanksgiving. Are you, are you getting the point? Because the whole life of Apostle Paul, you can see, doesn't revolve around himself. He will say it in the end, you see. His focus is so much on the gospel. When he said in Philippians what he said, he meant it. That I forget about the past. And I press on toward the mark of the high calling. That's where my focus is. Nothing deters me. I look forward. I look forward. Go. Yes. Whatever a person is like, wow, I try to find common ground with him so that he will let me tell him about Christ and let Christ save him. So sometimes when I'm dealing with some people, pastor say, you say, oh, pastor, it's not fair. No. It's because of the gospel. Because how you can reach them, come to a common ground. When you have, when you have just strict rules, it doesn't change anything. It will, in the end, take away the focus from the gospel. I do this to get the gospel to them and also for the blessing what I myself receive when I see them come to Christ. Give a clap offering to the Lord. You see, the moment you're understanding aligns to this, no sacrifice is too big. Your ego will never come in the way. Oh, so he spoke to me like this. So I won't do it. It, it will never come. Oh, I'm feeling this way, so I can't. It will never happen. blessing of money cannot compare to this. The blessing of a house cannot compare to this. <laughs> our hearts and our minds must get out of the mundanes of life.
when you see a man working for money and a man working for ministry, you will know. Mm. You will know. You will know. You can be in the same office. The one who is working because of money. And the one who sees their work in that office as a ministry, you will see the difference. You see the difference. You will see. Next. Go. In a race, everyone runs. Oh, hello. So, we are in a race. Is that right? And everyone what? Is running. But what? Only one person gets the first prize. Is that correct? Okay, go. So, run. I like it. You see, run your. So, straight away, he now moves from the race to your race. He now personalizes it. Run your race. Because the Lord has a specific duty for you. It is a common salvation. That is for all of us. But we are running our races within the assignments he has given us in the body. Run your race. To win. Oh, hello. Run your race to win. To win. Let's go to the no go. To win the contest, what must you do? What? You must deny yourselves what? You must deny yourselves what? Many things. Many things. What did Jesus say? He says, if you want to follow me. Deny yourself and carry your cross. Peter said, we have left all and what? Followed you. To win the contest of the race, you must deny yourselves of many things. Many things will come in competition. Many things will come as distraction. Many things that look attractive to people around you, but because they are not running your race, it cannot be your focus, and it cannot be your goal, and it cannot be your objective. Because you are running your race. 
Your race. Your race. Your race. Many things that would keep you from doing your best. Oh, hello. Jesus. An athlete goes to all this trouble just to win a blue ribbon or a silver cup. So ask them, what are you willing to sacrifice to win your race? Just like the athlete who is giving up so much. Are you getting the point? To win. What are you giving up? You see, when you don't have this mentality, like I said, material things become a trap. Are you getting the point? Yes. It becomes what? A trap. When you get this understanding, material things now become rather the fuel to run the race better. <laughs> because you use them for the kingdom benefit. You use them rather to fuel what God wants to do with your life. We'll come to the place where Abraham said that I will never allow you to say that you made me rich. I've been thinking about it. And I, I want you to think about it too. Because Abraham had the same mentality together with Apostle Paul. So the friendship and the fellowship is bigger. Is that correct? When, when people don't understand this, <laughs> when they have to give things for the sake of the kingdom, it becomes difficult. If you're Yichogbamo, it becomes a headache. They ask, Lord, did you say I should give this? Is the devil? Is that it is it's not God? You, you know, uh, it, 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 no. 
because they are so attached to the thing and not to him. Let's focus. Go. But we do it for what? A heavenly what? Reward. That never what? Disappears. So you see the motivation. You see the motivation. Look at the motivation. Heavenly reward. That never disappears. Every other reward. You would disappear or it would disappear. Did you hear what I said? There are two things. It is either you or the thing. That would disappear one of these days. You disappear and leave it. Or it will disappear and leave you. You can't negotiate. You, you can't negotiate. So Jesus said, do the transfer. What is the transfer? Reach, be rich towards what? Heaven. Because Whatever you are working for here, you can't take along. So do the transfer. Because that's the deal. That you have come to sojourn in a place that is not your own. And very soon you will leave. But the deal is that whatever you work for here, you will leave it here. So once you are here, what you can do is to start doing transfer. Do the transfer. Let it matter to the kingdom. So when you go, you receive all the reward. <laughs> Otherwise, you have worked in vain. You will leave it and other people will chop it and insult you on top. They will call your name and they will belch. And they will insult you. They will eat. They kill. They will belch. And insult you. So I ran straight to the goal. Oh, Jesus. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. This week you are fasting away everything. Are you understanding me? So that with every step, it shall be to the goal with purpose. Are you getting the point? Yes. 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 He said, I'm not just shadow boxing. Do you know shadow boxing? 
You know shadow boxing? Hey, you're amazing people. So how do you know shadow boxing? Shadow boxing is when there's somebody there. Or sometimes it's a dummy. And you are doing shadow. You are hitting the thing, but you are not hitting it. So you are just there. That's what he, he describes there. He said, you don't beat the air. I don't do it. May you not do shadow boxing. He said, on that day, them that are, that seem so important, seem so important here, will be regarded less important. Because they were doing shadow boxing. Like an athlete. I punish my body Treating it roughly. Training it to do what it should. Ah! I punish my body. What it means is that I fail to do certain things to take my rights. I, I feel this is for me. I, I must hold on to it. So, in every area of my life, my body plays gimmicks. To take me off their goal. But I'm sold out. Are you getting the point? Yes, I'm sold out. It tells me, ah, if you have to come to church, you don't have to, oh, go sleep small. Your body is tired. I force my body. I have to go for evangelism. Oh, but this thing, the sun is too hot. Ah, are you getting the point? Was my body. I see things that are lovely, beautiful, but I need to keep my eyes. I force my body. I, I, in every area, I, I tell my body, you have to obey so that we can get to where we need to get to. Praise God. The money is there. The Lord needs it. My body says, no. It's too much. Ah. It, me alone will give what? When is that next, this thing going to come? Where is this going? I force it to obey. And to do what it should do. Are you here? Not what it wants to. Otherwise, let's where we go. I fear that after enlisting others for the race, I might myself might be declared unfit and ordered to stand. Now, when it comes to this, people think that it is, he says that he's lost salva his salvation. No, that's not. That's why he said to stand what? Aside. What it means that you are made redundant. That's why he said, and what? Fit. 
For the work and for the assignment, you can be made redundant. Hey, are you here? Yes. So he's not talking about, oh no, that he's lost. No. He's not saying, I'll lose my salvation. No. 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 You see, the fact that you don't do what your father asks you to do, doesn't mean that you stop being his child. So you are, you are his child. But the point is that he will not bring any assignment your way. You are made redundant. Because you said you are unfit. In Revelations, he says a similar thing. He said, make sure nobody takes your crown. Your crown. Your reward. Your reward. Your reward. May your zeal matter for what counts. Can you say amen? Amen. May your zeal matter for what what counts. Listen to me very carefully. The world has made certain things the priority of human beings. Let the word prioritize your life. Not the world. That's why we started with the word culture. Are you getting the point? Let the word Define your culture. Grace, glorious grace. At the cross, you called it finished. Thank you for listening to Grace Bills by Reverend Josh Lai, Lead Pastor, Caris Center International. We believe the word has begun a good work in you. May God's amazing grace lead you to a peaceful and joy-filled life. Caris Center International, living heaven on earth. Come.